0: Uh, Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, I thank you that we can just uh, come into your presence this morning. I thank you that we're all part of your family, that even though we come from many different places and backgrounds, Lord, that when we come together, that you knit us together and uh, you just help us to belong, Lord, where you've placed us. And Lord, I pray that you would just um, fill this place with your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you here, Lord, just... Still our hearts, help us to focus on your word this morning, help us to focus in on you and we welcome your presence here, Lord, that you would feel heavy in this place, Lord, that we would know that we've met with you when we leave this place. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so this is Power Up Sunday. It's Blessing Sunday, but part of the blessing is actually that God empowers us. You know, if you look through the Bible and from the very, very start in Genesis right through, the blessing is powerful. So Blessing Sunday is actually power up as well. So we, you know, we came to an agreement about what to call it. But I just wanted to share with you a little story before I um, get stuck into the word. Um, about a man called Ira Yates. Now, some of you might, if you know anything about the oil wells in America, may have heard of Ira Yates. But in West Texas during the Depression, Mr. Ira Yates was like many other ranchers and farmers. He had a lot of land, but he had a lot of debt on that land. He wasn't able to make enough on his ranching operation to pay the principal and the interest on his mortgage. And he was in danger of losing the whole lot. And uh, with a little money for clothes for his family or even food, he lived on a government subsidy because that's what they would do back then. Um, then a seismographic crew from an uh, oil company came into the area and told him they'd like to st- just drill a well down and see if there was any oil on his land. And they gained permission to drill a well and he signed a lease contract. At 339.8 metres, they struck Oil. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day and many subsequent wells were made and um, they were more than twice as large as that. And Mr Yates owned it all and he had owned it for years and years. When he was starving, when he didn't know how to pay his bills, when he was living off the government subsidy, when he couldn't put clothes, new clothes on his, or shoes on his children, he was sitting on this multi-million dollar property and he had owned it for a very long time. Over the next three years several more wells were drilled producing over 41 million barrels of oil. Then in 1929 the Yates well came in producing 200 barrels of oil a day. A world record oil at that time was being sold for $1.19 a barrel. So in 1929 $238,000 a day was a lot of money. Today it would equate to about $3.4 million a day coming out of Mr Yates' ground from just one well. A new town sprang up as a result of the Yates oil field and they named it Ira Ann after his wife and him. His wife was named Ann and he was named Ira so they decided to make a town named after them. And it's shortened now to Ira Ann. I don't know how to pronounce it in Texan, but anyway, if you look it up on the map, you'll see it in Texas. On January 11, 1989, the Yates Field, now one of the largest oil-producing fields in the world, produced its one billionth barrel. Today, it is still producing and it is estimated that there is an additional billion barrels of oil still sitting in that field. The Yates family went from dirt poor to multi-billionaires in one day. And it was sitting on it, and he didn't know. You know, you and I too often can be like Mr. Irie Yates. We are ears to a vast treasure, and yet we often choose to live in spiritual property. We're just like him when he didn't know what he had underneath his feet. We get despondent, we get frustrated, disappointed, question our faith, doubt our heritage, while all the while within us is a power that is just waiting to flow the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is our vast, great, high, deep, enormous treasure that we have in God. And that when we come to him, he seals us with the Holy Spirit. And that power and that depth and all of heaven is available to us. It's treasure to us. And too often we can be like the man who was struggling along and underneath his feet Belonging to him, part of his property, part of his inheritance was all he needed. And we too often can be just like that. So I want to just encourage us this morning that you just got to dig up. You just got to let that well, that oil, that oil of the Holy Spirit, you just got to let it flow. Because that's what's available to us. We have everything we need in him. We have the treasure of heaven available to us. We are heirs of the kingdom. Did I say it right? Oh, I did. Well done, Dale. yay um acts chapter one is a bridge between the events of the gospels matthew mark luke and john which tell about the life of jesus and the events marking the beginning of the early church and the work that happened there after jesus had risen from the dead he spent 40 days going around and teaching his disciples. You know, if over 500 people actually saw Jesus risen from the dead. It's not just like a couple. It was, it was 500. They would gather together and he spent time with them, 40 days teaching them, encouraging them, reassuring them. You know, they just stood at the foot of the cross, seeing him crucified. And so they're a little bit shaken up. And uh, so he just encouraged them. And as a result of Jesus spending that time with them, they were drastically changed. And so if you look at the Gospels and right at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you'll see that. And then Acts, Acts chapter 1 tells just the the gap that happened and how they all joined together and what the disciples did after that. So I encourage you to go home and read Acts. Acts. You know, before Jesus came and before he's just settled them all down, they'd argue with each other, they'd deserted Jesus. Peter had disowned even knowing Jesus. You know, he, here he is at his moment of need. And Peter says, I don't even know him. And uh, so when, but when Jesus spent time with them talking and sharing, they heard the, more and they believed more and they got really, really, really excited, which is, you know, Jesus walks into their room. The last time they'd seen them, he'd been crucified. He was hanging on a cross dead and he wanders into their kitchen. You'd just be a little bit shaken up, don't you think? Yeah? here's you know, risen Lord, the one, you know, they they're like, yeah, we know he's doing miracles and he says he's the son of God, but, well, he really is who he says he is. Yeah, and so they were so excited, they were ready to get out and change the world. and yes, let's go, Jesus. What do you want us to do? We'll tell everybody everywhere, everything that moves will be out there. And uh, you know what Jesus says? They are ready to go to work. And Jesus says one thing. He said, "Wait. Wait we're so excited. Look what you've done. You're standing in our lounge room. We see the hands, you know, the nail prints in your hands and and then your side. We see the spear where it had gone to confirm that you actually were dead. We see, and you're standing here and you say to wait, but we want to tell everybody. And Jesus said, wait, wait. They'd waited three days when he was dead. They'd waited for three years, they, you know, waiting for the kingdom to come and what's he going to do next? And the people, the Jewish people had waited for generations. But Jesus' word of wisdom to his anxious followers at this crucial juncture in history was wait. Wait. Wait and be patient and let me be in control. Jesus wanted them to wait so they could go forward on the basis of God's power and not their own. God's power and not their own. They paused not because they weren't ready, or they didn't want the future and to get into it. They paused so that God could lead them. And waiting, they are demonstrating their willingness and desire to follow wherever God led. And that is what I want to speak about this morning, is the importance of us just following Holy Spirit's leading, following Him, and some points that just help us to do that. Because we've got this brand new year ahead of us, and there's so much that we can do, and we're like, God, you know, do stuff, and it's a year of restoration. God's spoken that. But it's so important that we wait and we follow God's leading. Because otherwise, we get to December 31, and we're like, oh. And things that we could have stepped into, things that we could have experienced, we might just, you know, mess it up or miss it or not see it because we're too busy doing our own thing in our own power. And so I just felt the Lord speak to that, that we, we need to wait on Him and wait and let Him empower us rather than try and do things in our own strength. You know, we can do amazing things. We are created in the image of God and we're amazing just as human beings, just by themselves are made anything. But you hook up into God's power and nothing is impossible for you. We can do great stuff by ourselves, but God says, with me all things are possible. I think I want the impossible because then it's possible. Yeah? So Luke chapter twenty four, verse forty nine says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait. In the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. There it is. Behold, behold. I send the promise of the Father. Jesus gave a promise to the disciples. He was about to go up to heaven and he was saying goodbye to his disciples. But the last thing he said to them was, Tarry, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized, you will be overflowing, you will be immersed. Because that's what baptism means. Baptism means to be immersed with The Holy Spirit, with fire, with power from on high. The word power in the Greek in that text means dynamis, which means dynamite power. Dynamite. So when you think of God, he is not just little, you know, you get a buzz, he is dynamite. He is dynamic, he is life-changing, he is life-giving, power from on high. And too often, we run off on our little human strength and God says, hang on a minute, I've got power from on high that I will clothe you with straight from heaven everything you need to do the impossible things that I ask you to do. Because most of the time, the things that God asks us to do, we go, how the heck am I going to do that? Even basic things like loving your family when they're annoying you, how do we do that? Power from on high. How do you get up and talk to people when you're a shy little timid thing? Power from on high. How do you speak to situations when they look impossible and the circumstances are screaming at you? Power from on high. Because when you're endued, when you're clothed with power of the Holy Spirit on high, you will be changed from the inside out. You will never be the same. It is a life-changing, dynamic, dynamo, dynamo, power from on high. I'm getting excited now. Can you tell? Because there's this fire that gets on in the inside of you that changes you and makes you just want to shout for God. Where you may have been timid, where you may have been broken, where you may have been beaten up, when you let God on the inside of you, He restores you and He renews you and He refreshes you and, amen, He heals you. I am 28 minutes, people, 28 minutes. Last time I spoke, I was running eight minutes. I'm now running 28 minutes straight. I have two more runs and I'm 5Ks, amen? Now, that may not seem a big thing for people who don't know, but God, he healed me. He healed me so I can run. So I'm kind of excited about that. Amen. Yeah, that is a testimony to God's goodness that he restores and he renews. But it's the Holy Spirit because he, he just grabs hold of you and he choof, changes you from the inside out. Amen? Amen. Huh. Jesus didn't say maybe or might. He states unequivocally and absolutely, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will. He doesn't say some, you know, hyper-spiritual people over here. He doesn't say the ones that read their Bible every day. He doesn't say the ones that get up at 5 o'clock and, you know, get on their knees. He said, if you come to me, if you come to me and you ask, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever the spirit of truth you know him for he lives with you and will be in you when you ask jesus to be the lord of your life when you get saved every believer is born again by the holy spirit he dwells in us ephesians 1:13 says having believed you are marked in him with a seal the promised holy spirit a seal in bible times means you belong you belong to god you belong to God. You're not by yourself anymore. You belong. Therefore, if you are saved, you don't have to struggle and strive to seek the Holy Spirit's indwelling power in you. He's there already. He's a seal. He's a mark on you. But there is a flowing out of that, a baptism of that, an immersing of that seal, that power into you that comes when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's like it's it's a you have your salvation and, and the Holy Spirit is there, but then there's this whoosh. There's this poomph. You know, it's not like a drawing of the power anymore, you know, like a well and you have to draw up. Well, Jesus says it's like a river flowing out of you. You don't have to drag up the strength of God anymore. You don't have to, you know, puddle around. You know, it's like, you can, you, It says it's like a mighty river mighty river of fire running on the inside of you. When you allow the Holy Spirit to just take over. John the Baptist said, I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God calls. Holy Spirit baptism, the Holy Spirit been us being immersed in his strength and his power is for every one of us. You don't have to feel like, oh, you know, I'm okay without it. I'm okay without just letting God move in me. He wants all of us to experience that. That's his plan. You know, Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Jesus had said, Tarry, wait in Jerusalem. And so they went up all together and there was 120 of them. The rest of them were a little bit freaked out, but 120 remained. And they all went together with the disciples to the upper room. And uh, they, they were in this house and they waited. And they were waiting a little while. It doesn't really say how long, but it wasn't just like... They waited, and they made a commitment to wait and be obedient to what Jesus had said to them. And it says that suddenly, I love that because God is into suddenlies, where everything looks how on earth, and then God gets in suddenly. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a mighty wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's like suddenly God came on the scene. And that's what it's like with God. It's like often we go, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? And if you just open up and say, Lord, I'm just going to seek you. I make a commitment to just seek you with all my heart. I want everything that you have for me, everything. You know, because often our disbelief and our fear and our just being a little bit slack, you know, and getting getting distracted by the things of the world – takes our commitment away and our focus away and we miss out on all that God has for us you know he wants to clothe us with that power every day of our lives it's not just back then in 1970 something or 1990 something or 2000 and something for those of you who are younger it's every day of your life he wants to clothe you with power but it takes a commitment to just like those ones in the upper room are going we're going to stay here we're going to wait we're going to wait for Holy Spirit to come. We're going to wait to be clothed with power, just like Jesus said. And that's what I want to encourage us, is wait. wait till you, feel, you know, Wait on the presence of God. Don't run off doing your own thing when you haven't spent time with Jesus knowing what he wants you to do. For the day, for the month, for the year, wait. Wait on him. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the many gifts that God has given us. And James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. God gives good gifts. He wants to bless us. So we don't have to be afraid of, wow, if I you know, hook up to God, what's going to happen? Yeah, you're going to be changed. But I tell you what, it's the best ride you've ever been on. Why go along in a little pup-pup, beaten up you know, little moped when you can get on a rip-ro Harley Davidson, as I say. Why is Pat Pat through life when you can be hooked up to the giver of life himself? Why, why settle for this when you can have so much more? I'm here to stir you up this morning. If you've heard this before and gone, oh no, it's not for me or it didn't happen, push into God. He has so much more for us. He says, I want to clothe you with power and boldness and ability and supernatural strength and wisdom and gifts from heaven. You've got no idea what goes on up in heaven. We haven't seen anything yet. But I tell you what, heaven and earth are converging and we have not seen anything yet. There is stuff happening around the world that will make your hair curl. Yeah, I tell you, it would. There is angels showing up at meetings. There is miracles breaking out. There is, you know... I can't even say the words. It's just that gets me so excited that God is on the move. He's on the move and you, you just pull yourself and position yourself. Say, God, I want to be in on what you're doing. I want to be in the centre of your will. I don't want to miss out. And, I want, you know, we sometimes get so bogged down in the everyday life and the everyday things and we miss because that's exactly what the enemy wants. He says, all the cares and distractions and the worries of this life steal what God is trying to do steals the word that God speaks to us seek me seek my kingdom and I'll add all those other things that you stress about to you but seek me first and my kingdom and my righteousness and I'll add all those things but seek me first I'll sort out your crazy family situation I'll sort out your finances I'll sort out your job and your studies I'll sort out your partner I'll bring that awesome hunky spunky man along come on now or that awesome little you know hottie for boys that are looking for a woman. I'll sort it out. If you seek me first, I will. Yeah? That's God. That's God. But he says, seek me first and seek to just wait on me and you, I will clothe you with everything you need. Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit and the power he gives is a transforming, liberating, redeeming, life-changing power that can change the course of nations, history, you and me, this church, and this community. This community. It's not just a power of miracles that the Holy Spirit brings. He also gives us power that brings courage and boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. I'm a living testimony of that. You will not go and talk to my mum at morning tea about what I used to be like before God got a hold of me. Honest. Go and ask her what I was like. I would walk in last. I would put my head down. I see photos and I go, oh, my goodness. You know, something happened in my teenage years. When I was seven, I would get on the bus and tell everybody that Jesus was coming back and you better watch for him in the clouds. But then something happened and and it it took a few years to get it back again. You know, I got hit with sicknesses. I got hit with just self-esteem issues. I got hit with abuse stuff. All sorts of crappy stuff happened. And then God got a hold of me when I was about 18 years old and bang, I was never the same. And you know what it was? It was just knowing that I was so deeply loved and then coming to know Holy Spirit. He's the, you know, one of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we need to know him because he's the one that reminds us of the things that Jesus did. When you read the word, he's the one that helps you understand. He's the one, you come into God's presence and you can feel him. It's not just a head thing. It's that you can experience the power of God. I was saying, you know, if you put your finger in a light socket, stuck it right in there, you would feel something, wouldn't you? Just a bit. You know, the man who was walking along this week and he got hit by lightning, he felt something. But Holy Spirit, he's a good feel you will feel God he wants us to experience him not that we're all touchy-feely and we just don't you know live by our feelings but you can experience God and know that he is present with us and he wants that for us that's why I ask him to wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high so wait on him You know, Catherine Kuhlman, one of the great healing evangelists back in the 1970s, 50s or 70s, she would not even come on the platform until she knew that Holy Spirit had showed up, until she knew that his presence was there. She says, no point until he's there. There's no point until he shows up because I'm not doing anything until he's there. How often do we run off in our day And we're just, you know, I'm going to go and do this for God or I'm going to go and do this. Or we march in trying to sort out a family situation and we haven't waited. I'm learning with my kids to wait. Sometimes I just want to, yeah, I'm going to sort it out. But I'm waiting and the Holy Spirit said, just wait. Just let them cool down. If you just listen, God will lead you. Holy Spirit will lead you, you know, when, when, not that Philip ever has meltdowns, but when, you, you know, when somebody's having a meltdown, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just good to, and just wait. It's not you, babe. But just, you know, just wait for the Holy Spirit. So often we just need to be quiet. And we just want, I'm going to fix it. I've got something to say. I can sort it out. Just wait. If you're not clothed in anointing to handle that situation, you better just be quiet because yeah. you're just going to make a whole lot of trouble for yourself and make it worse. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait until you know that you're clothed with anointing power. That means you are clothed with power from heaven to handle that situation, to handle that beautiful little two-year-old having a meltdown, you know, to handle that teenager screaming and yelling. If you cannot wait, you're going to go in there and make the situation worse. We're anointed to do the things and the family that we've got, we're anointed to be part of that family. The kids we've got, you're anointed to be their parent. The job you have, if you're in the right place and you know it, you're anointed to do that job. That means you have power to do that job but you've got to wait sometimes and not go in and go, I can do this in my own strength and my own knowledge, I know how to do that. Yeah, you probably do but if you wait on God, and wait for him to tell you what to do, and just, you'll hear him. He says, my sheep, that's you, know my voice. God will lead you. He will lead you. And I've found that when I don't wait, I get steaming mad. I know it's hard to believe. But I do. I just want, <coughs> You know, when you've got six kids, that they can push your buttons. And some of them know how to do it better than others. And when you're pastoring, I know you're all beautiful, but sometimes you push my buttons. You do. I love you all, but sometimes you do, and it's like I just need to wait. You don't see it very often because I make myself wait. Just wait and zip it. Get the vacuum cleaner out if you need to. You can't. You have to yell pretty loud to yell over the vacuum cleaner. And I just <laughs> vacuum, vacuum. Put the phone down. Philip will take it off me if he sees steam coming out of my ears. Just wait good advice from Jesus. It's one of the last, it's the last thing he said. Wait to be clothed with power from on high. Wait to be anointed with my wisdom and my ability and my supernatural strength. And when you wait, you're going to be all right. Amen? There you go. That's good advice for you today. (laughs) From... (laughs) God doesn't withhold his Holy Spirit. Too often it's our own disbelief that impedes the fullness of his presence in our life. Or it's our impatience that rushes forward without waiting on him. Our self-reliance that thinks we can do it on our own. God doesn't withhold his anointing. He doesn't withhold the Holy Spirit. He has God the Father saying, I'll give, it, I'll give you everything you need. Here. But it's us. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were gathered together in one place in a house. And when they received the power of the Holy Spirit, they knew. One, there was this mighty rushing wind came into the room. And then they had these tongues of fire in the head. Now, if you see any little kids' Bibles, you see they had these... I don't reckon it was like that. I reckon it was these massive fires on top of the head. It's like, whoa, look at your head. Yeah? Because, <laughs> you know... This little light, of high, we don't have a little light. We have a mighty, mighty rushing river of fire in the inside of us. I just, well, poof. I reckon it would have hit the roof and they had these, you know, lightning bolts up there. Come on now. Just get visual for a minute. I'm visual. I reckon they, you know, often you see that. No. Big, big fire on the tops of their heads that they all notice. Like, what, what are your hairs not on fire though? It would have been pretty cool. <laughs> Now, wouldn't you get a shock if you turned to the person next to you and saw fire in their head? Come on. Come on. Yeah. But it was so they knew because they'd never heard, you know, this before. They heard about the Holy Spirit coming and speaking to people, but to be clothed with power and feel it on the inside and have it shooting out of your head. Now, that was something different. So they needed to see. And then they started to speak with other tongues. It was a heavenly language that they were given where they, you know, you think about it. If you saw somebody with fire on the top of their heads right now, would you have words to express that? What? <laughs> so God just gave him a heavenly language to be able to express all of what heaven was. Come on. Yeah. Gee, God's got a sense of humour, <laughs> He was like, you can't express in English or Arabic or Jewish or Hebrew or whatever, Greek, what I'm going to do. So I'm going to give you a special heavenly language to express what I do on the inside of you. And that's what tongues is all about. Gee, that's a revelation just right there and then. That's <laughs> you know, we can't express with our own words. So God gives us a heavenly language so we can express what's going on on the inside of us. And boom, it comes out. And you know, mm, I don't want to say that. I sound funny here it comes. So don't be afraid. God does that. When you say, God, close them with power and high, and then you get these funny words come out of your mouth. That's just because you don't know how to explain it in your language. Well, I feel like blah, 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 <laughs> you know? So it's all good. But they were committed to that. And that's the second point. Wait is the first one. Second point is they were committed to God. They were committed to staying and waiting and God, I want what you have. And they made a commitment. And then they made a commitment to let's spread it around. You know, God's plan was bigger than that little 120 in the upper room. Peter walks out and he's speaking in the languages of all these people that had gathered together for a celebration. And 3,000 people came to know Jesus when he stood out and spoke to them in their languages. And, you know, they were committed to that. You know, it would have taken more than two people to look after those 3,000 people. 120 of them and said, we're here to help. We're here to look after them. We're here to pray for those people. 3,000 people is a lot of people for one person to look after. So there was 120. I don't know, do your math how that works out. But there was enough. Yeah, there was enough. And that was the commitment is that they committed their lives to following God's lead. When they went to the upper room, when Jesus said, wait on me, those people committed to waiting and following God's lead. Step one is wait. Step two is make a commitment to just follow God's lead. When he says something, just to do it because he's got it all sorted. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. A witness means to tell of what you've seen and heard. That's all you've got to do. When God asks you to do something, he's just asking you to tell of what you've seen and heard. I was this crazy, you know, woman in church on Sunday and she was talking about tongues of fire and people, you know, just tell of what you've seen and heard. Just tell of what you've seen and heard. When you hear people that have been made well, when you hear that people have been restored, when you hear that, you know, oh, you've, you've had something in your life. You know, I was like this. I was, you know, finding it really hard and then I started to read my Bible and pray and I'm starting to get encouraged. Tell somebody. Tell somebody what you've seen and heard. Tell somebody what you've experienced, because that's what people need to hear. Those in the Arthur room, they had to commit together to wait and then to, just to follow God's lead. Point three, I've only got four, was rely on God. Proverbs three verse five says, "Trust in the Lord and all your, on, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. If you look at your family situation, if you look at your job situation, if you look at any situation in your life and you trust and lean on your own understanding, you're only going to get a worldly, earthly solution. Which, you know, you could paddle around for months or years and work really, really hard to sort it out. Or you can trust in God And lean not on your understanding, but on his, the maker of heaven, who knows everybody's hearts and minds, and then do what he says. Oh, which one sounds easier? Yeah. But how often do we not do that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, everything. That means your mind, your emotions, your spirit, everything. Trust in the Lord with everything you have and don't lean on your understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, if you're wondering. The key to the early church is phenomenal growth. The key to them be mighty men and women of God who did exploits. Read Acts. They were awesome people. You know, they'd walk up to a man and he was sitting at the gate outside church and he never hadn't walked for years and years. And they, he's saying, give me some money, please. And he says, oh, well, actually, I haven't got any change on me now. But what I do have, I'll give it to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And now there is rise up and walk. And that man's legs went boomp Because, you know, they've got power of heaven on them. Bang. And, they were, and they, he was healed. And he went leaping and jumping and praising God into church. And they were going... Yeah, rely on God. You know, they could have just gone, oh, has anybody got any change for this dude? No. They went, hang on a minute, wait. We're committed to sharing what we know and then rely on God, bang, healed. That's a way to do it. That's what Jesus did. And he says, you be like me. Trust in me, wait on me. Their effectiveness in carrying out their mission was ensured by their willingness to rely on God. Not their own understanding, not their fix it, not their ability. In a state of confusion and uncertainty in which Jesus' followers found themselves, they desperately needed reassurance. And God said, I'll give it. I'll give you. I won't leave you by yourself. You've had Jesus with you for three years, been hanging out with him. And and I'm not going to leave you alone when he goes to heaven. I give the Holy Spirit. I'll give the Holy Spirit so you're not alone. You're never alone. I'm with you always. You just have to wait on me commit yourself to following me, rely on me, and I'm there. I'm always there, but half the time you miss me. I'm always there. You know, he's a gentle, quiet whisper. often. Sometimes you'll yell, to, you know, but most of the time he's just a gentle, quiet whisper. We cannot do what God calls us to do, even if it's just being a parent, which is not just, you know, or, or a daughter or a husband or a wife or whatever we are, You know, a friend, we cannot do it the way that God created us to be without God being in the middle of it, without that Zoe life, that life of heaven life. You can't do it if you don't rely on God because he says, I'll give you the power to live that way. Holy Spirit empowers, renews, refreshes and restores. He releases joy in the midst of sorrow, victory and defeat. You know, when my brother Sean was killed in a plane crash back in 2000, Um, it, it was crappy yeah he was on his way to work and his plane crashes and you're wondering what's happening and it's like how do you get through that and the Holy Spirit is the one that helps you in those times joy in the midst of sorrow and he starts to speak to you and encourage you you know how do you face those things without God's help well people do but often people don't make it you know Mum, I remember she shared with me about often the, when, when children have died, the mums just don't make it. They either get sick with some terminal disease a few years later or they commit suicide. They just struggle to recover. They struggle to recover. But Holy Spirit, God, he, he just encourages us. He speaks to us. He heals our hearts. And I remember standing there and I, I just found out that Sean's plane had crashed and there was no survivors. And I remember coming out and the sun was rising because we'd been up all night and God just said, it's okay, you're going to be all right. It's going to be hard and tough for a while, but you're going to be all right. Now, you can trust in God or you can give way to all the other stuff. I chose to trust God, you know. And when, when we were offered that we could go for a flight, And the same plane that had crashed up to plant a tree where where Sean's workmates and him had worked from away up in Laverton, Leonora, Leonora, I would be like, no, do I really want to get on a plane again? But the Holy Spirit just said, go on the plane. I don't want this to be something that gives way to fear. So I made myself get on that plane And sit on there and I just let God talk to me. Now, your brother has just died in a plane crash. Sitting on a little plane is the last thing you want to do. But I just relied on God and I trusted in him. And I said, I'm going to do this because I will not give way to fear. I will not be stolen from anymore. I will not let the enemy turn this and kick me in the butt. I'm going to kick him in the butt. I will not. And so I got on that plane and I relied on God and I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, by myself, I've been a puddle. With God, I was able to stand. With God, I was able to listen and be a support to my dad. With God, I was, I was able to just stand. You rely on yourself, you trust in your own devices, you run out. With God and the Holy Spirit helping you, you can do all things. Amen? Amen. Rely on God. Last point is prioritize. It's important to establish our priorities. Too often we allow the things to stand in the way of that which we consider really important. Life crowds out our time with Jesus, prayer, reading the Bible, church, etc. Life can so easily get in the way. Our hobbies take over time with our families. A job takes precedence over a marriage. Television displaces family time around the dinner table. We have the best of intentions, but the priorities we know to be vital to a good and happy life can never get carried out in our day-to-day life. If we don't make priorities. Now, I've got a little table here. This is someone who has uh, calculated over 70 years of living. Now, I believe that we live a lot longer than that, and it's quite scriptural, but we're not going to get into that today. But imagine spending 70 years, because most of us, no, all of us are not 70 yet, so here we go. 70 years typically (laughs) can be spent sleeping 23 years. I don't know about that, but anyway, 23 years. (laughs) Working 16 years. TV, eight, eating, six, travel, six, leisure, 4.5, illness, four years. That's a bit crappy, isn't it? Dressing, two years. Now, if you're a girl or you're in your my household, I reckon you need to add a couple of years to that because they change the clothes so often. But dressing, two years. And then religion or relationship, because I'm not into religion, but I'm into relationship with Jesus, 0.5 years. Have a look again. What do we spend our life doing? Sleeping, and eating, and working. I give Jesus by His stripes we are healed. I think you can get gain about four years once you get a grasp of what Jesus has done for you. But do you see what we spend our life doing? And right at the very bottom here, half a year that we put into our spiritual life, which is what it's all about. We are not a, not a spiritual being. We are spiritual beings. You can't separate our physical life and our emotional life from our spirit. If you have them all together, God says that he will give us life and life abundantly. You have your little way of doing things, but he says you hook up to me and I will give you life. So I just want to challenge you with that because you just go, Oh, do I spend that much time watching TV? On the internet? Facebooking? On my phone? Probably. Probably. Over 70 years, just do a little calculation and go, you know what, that one needs to move up there. We need to be hooked up to God 24-7, being aware of him. And that's what the disciples in the early church were like. They were so aware of his presence. You know, practising being in the presence of God is something you can do all the time. So that this 0.5 years at the end of your 70 years or your end of your 120 years, which is a full life, by the way, It doesn't have to be down here. It can be way up the top. You know, you can spend time with God in your sleep. He can take you to heaven. He can show you heavenly things. You can dream about him. Say, Lord, give me heavenly dreams so that you're connecting with him in your sleep. When you're working, you can be aware of his presence. Lord, help me with my job today. Well, you know, just the TV one. Well, you know, I'm not going to be all legalistic, but you know how much TV you watch. Do you really want to waste eight years of your life? Hmm, I'll let you think about that. I'll let you think about that. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that you spend more time watching TV than you do on leisure. Hmm. They're to find, if you're watching the football, all right, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> Sadly, often there is little priority given, as you can see, to our spiritual life. Let's not be those people. God doesn't want that. He said, wait on me, wait on my presence, be clothed with some power from on high and I will give you life and life more abundant. You know, Jesus is quite a demanding leader. He's not this little guy who comes cap in hand and says, will you spend time with me? He's not like that. When he asks you to follow him, he comes and says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, lay aside all that stuff that you so easily get entangled up with and follow me. He is a mighty, mighty God. King of heaven, and he's not somebody to just push aside. He's not some wimpy Jesus. He's not a wishy washy God. And too often, especially men have been, you know, they grow up in church or they've seen, oh, this is what spiritual means, is that they're, you know, they're this wimpy little Jesus. Jesus is not wimpy. He's a kick butt God. He is mighty. He is powerful. When you meet Jesus, you come face to face to him, you're going to be quivering in your boots if you think he's this wishy washy Jesus. He is mighty, he's a man. He came as a man and yet he was fully God. Yeah, he's not this girly Jesus. When he says, follow me, he means follow me. Follow me. Lay aside all that other rubbish that you get so easily tangled up in. Lay aside the things that you put before me. Lay aside the stuff you watch on TV and on the computer that you know you shouldn't be. Lay it aside and follow me. He's not a wishy-washy God. When, he, when you say, oh, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll give you all my rubbish. He says, righty then now you follow me. You follow me and you listen to what I say. And if you do, then I will give you fullness and abundant life. You don't, you're going to end up back in that mess again. But if you follow me, I will make it be all right. I will make you somebody that you never thought you could be. The man or the woman that deep down inside of you, that God called you and created you to be in your mother's womb, he says, you follow me and I will clothe you with power, and I will make it happen. But you've got to let go of that stuff and follow me. He's not wishy-washy. He's not sitting there going, oh, well. He's not. He's the, man. He's the one that came into the temple courts, and when he saw them selling stuff and making money out of the people coming to worship, he threw the tables upside down and got a whip out and went thrashing it about it. You know, like the man from Snow River. Has anybody seen that? The whip. Come on now. You haven't seen the man from Snowy River. Yes. You know the whip that Jim has? And it made a stock whip. He got a whip out and he went storming around, getting rid of all the money changes and all the people that were thieving off the people coming to church and selling stuff. He threw the tables over and he got the whip out and he scared the living daylights out of them. He is not a wishy wish, washy Jesus and he is the one that says, Follow me. Follow me and wait on me and commit your life to me, and rely on me, and I will make you fishes of men. He, he will make you people that just people, you walk into the room and they say, "Who is that? Who was that? Because you've got something I want. When you hook up to Jesus like that and follow him, He will clothe you with power. You know, being spiritual is not this little namby-pamby thing. It's mighty. It's for men and women who have guts. Yeah? Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, I thank you that we can come into your presence. I thank you that you are a mighty God. I thank you that your power brings down strongholds, that it breaks the enemy's power in our life, that it breaks the enemy's hold on our families and our workplaces and our community, Lord, that you are a mighty God, and you said that you would clothe us with power from on high. And Holy Spirit, I pray as we seek you, as we wait upon you, as we commit our lives to you, that you would clothe us with power from on high. Lord, that we would set our focus upon you. And Lord, that you would come. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now and that you would fill each hungry heart here. Each person here would just feel your presence right now. That you would fill us with power from on high. That we would never be the same. Where we think things are impossible in our workplaces, in our family life, in our finances. Lord, I speak power into those places. Holy Spirit, that you would bring a change. That you would bring a change and that you would restore Lord, because you are mighty to bringing down strongholds in our lives. Lord, I thank you for strongholds being broken right now, right now, and family generational stuff being broken right now, where things where there has been divorce, where there has been abuse, where there has been hardship, where there has been lack. I just cut that off in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would just bring life and life abundant into those situations, that we would go from this place knowing that we have met you. When we walk into our family situations, that we would know that you're there. We would wait on you before we open our mouths, before we do anything. we wait on you, Lord. Let us know your presence. Let us know your comfort and your peace. But Lord, let us know that you are powerful and that we don't want to mess around with you miss out. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.